my concern of the biggest challenge is that leadership doesn't know what success looks like in product management, and they do with everything else. Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with Product Growth Leaders for another topic of the week. This week's topic, roles and responsibilities. And everybody seems to be excited about it. We had a lot of good interest in the community. And uh, with us on our panel today, Steve Johnson, as always, Robert Goldberg, Anita Wood, John Cottrell, three of our great uh, contributors. And with that said, let's get started talking about our Monday question. Why are clearly defined roles and responsibilities so important? And I got a text yesterday from Jason Vincelette saying, Grant, I can't be there tomorrow. I'm going to be <laughs> picking up my kid from college. And I, I was distraught because Jason again came in first. And I always like to give him props for that. And he came in with a killer answer, I thought. He said, I find this to have several reasons. An individual needs to understand by what actions and deliverables they will be evaluated by. Those needs to be aligned with their roles and responsibilities. Often this is not the case and can cause a problem. Individual career aspirations and professional development should be aligned with their roles and responsibilities. This creates happier and more loyal employees. Happy employees can lead to happy customers equals growth. Company knows who does what. Internal stakeholders need to understand roles and responsibilities of fellow teammates so they understand what to expect from them and how to support them. Nothing gets heads turning around worse than not knowing who does what. I'm sure they'll are many more reasons that I didn't apply these specifically to product management, but work for those roles as well. And Anita, I'm going to get to your question, your follow-up from that soon, but Rob, we had a great conversation and I thought you were going to come in with an answer today and I'm going to give you the floor to do your answer here. I mean, we've talked about these topics. What do you think of what Jason said? I, I agree. Um, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. And having just gone through what we, you know, we, we use the BCG format for role mandates. We created a, a job family of, of six jobs in these, ro in, in these role mandates. We've, we've now leveled 545 people to those role mandates. And we created RACI charts off of that. That drives the interactions with every, every one of our stakeholders and products. So whether it's development, sales, finance, marketing, any, any of the operations and customer service teams. And then, we, um, and then we train off that as well. We have pillars set up. And so, and we push training to each one of the, uh, the different jobs. I think it, <clears throat> I think part of the problem, you know, the, the boundaries, there are no boundaries, you know, in, in every firm that I've worked for and every firm that I've consulted with, there are no boundaries within product management. Um, and, you know, product managers get pulled into project management, they get pulled into sales operations and you name it and they're pulled. And the last thing that they do is work on their projects. We, when I first joined Broadridge, we, I did a study of all 500 folks, and we found that in their MOBs, um, the MBOs for the year, they said they wanted to be strategic. When we did, we looked at what they actually do. The strategy piece of it and the commercial piece of it were, were tiny. What they were working on was the tactical pieces of it, and that you know, while it's part of the job, it's not all of the job, and so by clearly defining roles and responsibilities, you start to create the boundaries. The problem that you have is if you do it just in product management, it doesn't work. So what we did was we tackled product management. Now we're tackling the development organization. And once that's set, now all of a sudden, everybody knows where they fall. And I'm hoping that we'll see the benefit from that. That's awesome. That's my see answer. I, I, that's a great answer. And, and I'm, I, there's some stuff in the later questions I want to dig in with you because of the effort you guys have gone through. I mean, a massive effort in the product organization on roles and responsibilities. Steve Johnson, you know, talk to me about role. I mean, you do a lot of roles and responsibility stuff uh, with, with your clients. Talk to me about when, what, what is the process? What, what, 
how do you get to the point where people realize they need to do this? Well, I, uh, and that's not a softball. That's just a question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I've encountered is the job is ill-defined and none of the major vendors are actually defining it. Uh, they're like, you know, you might do this or you might do that, or you might do the other thing. And so what happens is if you go to sales and say, you know, what is product management all about? They go, oh yeah, product manager goes on sales calls with me to help close deals. No, that's sales engineering. And I got into this wonderful argument with the sales guy that I may have told you about before. Um, he said, but, but product managers are Steve, great. Steve, argument with the sales guy? I know, I know. So I got this argument with the sales guy. He said, but Steve, product managers are great on sales calls. And I'm like, oh yeah, they totally are. Um, but that's not their job. That's sales engineering. And he goes, but they're great on sales calls. And I'm like, yeah, they totally are. But that's not their job. Um, th that's sales engineering. But they're great on sales calls. And we're in this infinite loop. Um, and then, you know, marketing says, well, shoot, we don't know the products or the personas. So we need somebody to build us content. And then development comes along and says, well, we need somebody to read aloud to us from JIRA. And so suddenly we've got this job definition of what everybody else thinks product management is. And I was at some nerd conference a while back and one of the speakers was a, a big agilist <clears throat> and was talking about the role of product owner versus, uh, no, the role of product owner. And a question came from the crowd of, but you know, how do you delineate uh, between product manager and product owner, uh, something like that. But it, anyway, he said, well, what else do product managers do than sit next to the developers and tell them, you know, what to build? And he was befuddled. He was, you know, it was like, well, there's pricing, there's business planning, there's strategic direction, there's road mapping. And he's like, oh, really? Product managers do all that? So here are these other people defining the job and product managers need to stand up and define their job. So what I, what I found when I, uh, when I do roles and responsibilities is I, I, I skip a lot of the nonsense and, and I write, I have a list of like 60 things who should do this and why. And it gets down in the detail. I mean that right devils in the details mm -hmm. and uh, so, uh, so who defines, um, you know, acceptance criteria and they go, Ooh, wow. We haven't really thought about that. I guess the team does. And I'm like, Hmm, I really like people to own things. You know, what about, you know, get specific. And in that process, we get into the details and go, Oh, well, here's why a product manager should do this. And here's why development should do that. And, and one of the issues that usually comes up is what about UX design? Well, that's a specialized function. It's a solutioning function that belongs ideally with a UX designer, but, oh, we don't have one of those. So we take all of our extra work that we can't find any other person to take and we dump it on product managers. But my rant is almost over. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> <my fidget. laughs> every, every other department is pretty well-defined. And when I took over a marketing department years ago, I said to my team, never invite salespeople to a meeting. And everybody just went insane. You know, Steve hates salespeople. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My complaint is we're asking salespeople to do marketing's job, which prevents salespeople from doing salespeople's job. So at the end of the year, if Grant didn't make his number, he's not going to be able to argue, but he was responsible for so much insight for the marketing department, right? If you didn't make your number, they're going to shoot you. Yeah, one right. throw at the trope. Uh, you know, I mean, that's maybe it depends if the culture's like that, right? Yeah, and, and I, but, and I think it's but nobody expects sales to be determining marketing programs. No, they, but they always have opinions on what of we course produce, they do. right? Of course they do. I would have done X, right? Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, but it, I think culture is a lot of it. So I think the challenge we have as product people and leaders is defining the interfaces and the lens, right? Mm -hmm. What are the handoffs? And then how do you, you know, how do you interpret that? What lens do you have around the people involved in creating it? Uh, the folks um, responsible for consuming it. Mm -hmm. I, and so I've been at big companies like uh, Robert has and, uh, 
I've been at smaller companies like I am now. And I find that the products themselves have different roles and responsibilities because of the maturity mm -hmm. of the product. And so then I need different skills. Yep. And so I've definitely gone into shops as a consultant uh, and as a practitioner, as a consultant, you know, the story is let's find common. It's common for this group. It's common for this market. Now there might be skills that we need to have consistency. Yeah, on. and one of the issues I think is one of the difficulties in defining clearly what product management is, is that product managers by nature of their business, but by the nature of their work become subject matter experts. And so they get pulled into any scenario that requires subject matter expertise. Um, but in, in, in the end, you know, when I do these roles things, it's really quite in interesting. The majority of the time, there's somebody from HR in the roles and responsibilities workshop because they want to know what the lanes are too, right? And it, my, one of the things I start off those sessions with is, in general, your goalie should never be your top scoring player. So everybody pick a zone, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. And make sure you're doing your job. You know, uh, what's the other one? Put on your own oxygen mask before helping those around you. Yep. You know, I think in many cases, we're so busy helping us, helping everyone else that we fail to do the product strategy. But I think John hit something really interesting, which, <clears throat> which is culture. You know, if the culture, you know, the, the one thing that, that you recognize pretty quickly is that, you know, senior management is very happy to bastardize a process. And if there, if senior management is not going to stick with the, stay within those boundaries, you're going to product management is going to get pulled all over the place. Right. And, 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 you know, what we're doing, which, you know, is not unique, but we're trying to train the senior team as well. We're putting them through the same training as the product managers because they have to know that you know we have this these processes these tools don't go asking for things that are not within the realm of product management don't use the product manager as your 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 administrative assistant right. or your goat right and that's that part of it and that's cultural and and that's you know actually I was talking to Grant about this last night it's it's how do you measure that my my next challenge is to try to figure out how do you measure we can measure how many people went through a class and we can measure if things are getting out faster Hopefully the quality will stay with the quickness of what things we bring out. But you, how do you measure culture change? Because it's a lag to the to all the work that we're doing now. And I might be retired by the time it actually the culture is actually changed. <laughs> what, 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 Those what, are long slogs. Those are long slogs. What amazes me though is how many of our other topics we've talked about: stakeholder management, roadmaps for strategic. It's like all of these topics are interrelated. <laughs> right? They're all tied to each other. You can't look at one box of 37 and say, it's this one thing. It's, it's about the intricacies of how does it work with each other. And I'm going to use that as a pivot. Anita, I, I appreciate your patience while all of, of us guys have been talking a ton. Steve and Rob talked about execution and strategy and the importance of that. And you covered that. I'll read with Jason. Everybody agrees with Jason. He thinks about the question all week. I let him uh, go first this time, by the way. Oh, you, you, you paused so you didn't get in trouble. Okay. I waited to post until he got to post. <laughs> I, I, he will appreciate that. Great question, because you presented this morning at a PMI conference on roles and responsibilities uh, with focus on the negative impact on strategy, not knowing who does what, who owns what, and who has influence over what makes an extremely, extremely difficult to execute on strategy. Often, if something does not go as expected, achieving goals, delivering on time and on budget, launching effectively, I bet you can tie it at least partly of it directly back to the confusion over roles, roles and responsibilities. So I'd love to, you know, expand on that. Also, I'd love to get some of the feedback on what you shared with PMI. Yeah, I literally just came from that presentation to this. And so I was able to be here because it was a virtual event. So silver lining, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think back to when they asked me to present and, you know, send us a list of potential topics. And I sent a list of about five, right? And we, we talk about this so much. I'm like, please don't pick that one. Please don't pick that one. Please don't pick that one. <laughs> but of course, they picked this one, this exact topic that we're talking about here. 
So, you know, the confusion over those P roles, the titles, right? The confusion over the titles and who does what um, impacts strategy negatively all the time. And some of the things I, you know, I talk to them about, and it's, it crosses product and project, right? And as we, some of the, I talked about how we got to where we are with some of this, this confusion and the chaos, you know, and it had four factors. And one of them was, you know, we've moved, we've gotten better. Both professions have gotten better at being more customer centric and outside in approach, but that changes how we do work. And we have more complex environments. We have more uncertainty. We have new frameworks and approaches, you know, we threw agile in there, then we add new titles. So you're not making things better. You're making things worse and more complex, right? So that's how we got here. Uh, that doesn't mean we're in a bad place. It means we've made a lot of improvements. But, um, you know, what I try to get them past is looking at titles and names of departments. And I tried to get them to focus on activities, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, what what is everybody doing? And no matter which framework you're using. And at the end, I got a question, you know, how do you use or manage some of these tools and approaches in a flat organization? I said, it doesn't matter. It's about the conversation you're having. What are the important activities? Are we doing them? Do we need to do them? Maybe in a flatter organization, some aren't as important. It's about the conversations you're having, not just in your strategic or your product team, but across the organization. And I, I have a, a strong background in both project and product. And I love one of my missions is to not only help both professions get stronger, but we need to be working more and more closely together, right? And it's not about they and, and they, them and us and who's doing that and who's doing that. It's about that conversation you're having, looking at, like, like Steve said, whether it's 60 activities or 37 activities, looking at them, making sure everybody understands what each activity is, who's doing it, and how well are we doing it, right? And move on from there, right? So I, 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 love, the, I love that the relationship but the symbiosis between product and project management, yeah. because one way you uh, product management can enable pro- a project manager to be successful by helping with the right context and artifacts and expectations and outcomes and that type of stuff for the same way a project manager can help a product manager successfully launch something on time on budget yeah. and that type of stuff. They, there are two roles that have to work together and they're, they're two separate lenses. Mm-hmm that tastes great together, right? Yeah. They're, they're a Reese's peanut butter cup if you get it right. Yeah. right? You know, and I, I, one of my whole questions was, uh, do you, can you name who owns, you know, after I defined what product, project and problem was and strategy, can you name in your organization who owns problem diagnosis, problems, strategy, right? Can you name them? Whether it's a person or a department or whatever, and almost 50% could not. Mm-hmm. That didn't wow. surprise me. They, they don't even know who owns the problem. Right. Yeah. It really depends on what the problem is. But I, I just, when you see, you know, I, it, having been in, having worked in enterprise companies and small companies and consulted with hundreds, um, I just find it hard to get away from the title because everything we do, what we're set up to do right now is to reward people based on title, how you hire, how you promote, how you salary and bonus people and what their, what their progression is through the company and how they grow. And I can tell you, we just, you know, again, just I'm coming from right now, my frame of reference is as an enterprise company, but we literally just had a had pushback because we were calling, we had a title of a product analyst that I wrote product owner work, you know, language in, and then we made it a product owner, product owner, because we didn't feel that we could go out with a job description as a product analyst and get the right kind of person. The, the title is more important. I, I can't even tell you what the feet, the, you know, the, the um, we went out and scored everybody. And now, and now we have 25 out of the 500 people complaining that their title changed, you know, and they, they go into a different road and, and that their journey now is, is is different and they're going to learn different things and, and on it, that same survey i bet they said you don't communicate enough 
Transparency would be nice. Yeah. So while it's good to get the, while it's good to get the, um, the, the racy chart done, which, which I, I agree with it, I don't know if it, you can always get, if you can get away from the title, who does this mm-hmm. because it affects, and especially in large organizations, it affects almost everything. We're not built for anything other than Rob is a, is a product manager and, and period. Steve, mm-hmm. however, there's one, I agree with you on titles. The problem I run into is John is my best product marketing manager. And I think John would do really well in this activity. So it's therefore a product, ma- product marketing activity. You know, I encounter this all the time where they're like, this one person with this one title is my go-to on win-loss analysis. So win-loss analysis that John is really good at uh, would therefore be John's department's responsibility. Yeah, but I, you know, again, this is size. I think it's a size and departments. It's a size issue, right? Where personalities are more important than process, that's a size issue. Yeah, I was working in a large company like similar to Rob's, and and uh, there were twenty VPs of product management, and we the the roles discussion was a, a disaster because they weren't looking at titles and skills. They were looking at individuals on their team and those individuals were defining for them the skill set. I hired this really good person. Anita is wonderful. She has strength in X, Y, and Z. Therefore, the title that she has must be response. All of the people who have the same title as Anita must have project management experience. And and titles- And it's a weird- a equals B, but not necessarily C thing. Steve, you've been making the argument that titles are a mess for decades. 25 years, yeah. Right. And, and you know, so one of the problems, Rob, with, with I see with titles is that there's no consistency across organizations. It's key to have consistency within the organization. But, you know, I remember doing a, a training session at a company in Pittsburgh and they had two of the people had to step out at lunch for in, to do interviews. They were interviewing, each of them were hiring a business analyst and they were two totally different departments and they weren't sure which candidate was for which department because the marketing department and the IT department both had a business analyst title. Hey, I'm totally guilty. I, I just, I want to comment on something Steve said, but, I, I'm, but I'm totally guilty of all of that because I just wrote a job description yesterday for a product analyst that was really a business intelligence analyst. And so I, I, I totally bastardized everything that I just said. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that, you know, um, the, the inconsistency of titles across um, businesses, you know, we, and, and, and also the people, we took people out of it. So we wrote titles and then we Correct. put people into the titles. We said, forget about the people. It's hard to, when you have superstars that sort of are ingrained in your head and you said, well, we want them to be like her. You know, why can't, you know, everybody should grow and be like this when they grow up. Um, so we had, to, we had, to but we want every basketball player to be Michael Jordan. Exactly. They don't have, that doesn't happen. We had to get rid of that. But the reason that you don't have consistency is because of the industry, right? We, we, you know, I, I, I'm going to eventually publish what we did at Broadridge, but we, we don't have consistency and we don't have, we have six titles period. If every company had these six titles, if throughout my 35 years of working in product management, we had only these six titles, my life would have been, I would have been retired. My life would have been really heavenly, but we don't have that. We have every variation of product, every variation of owner and every variation of everything mm-hmm. in between. And it really com- it confuses and, and creates this, this problem, which is, are you a project person or a product person? Are you tactical or strategic? And who should you be interfacing with? Or are you a development And it doesn't matter whether you have 60 questions or 30 questions or you've done what I've done. It it, it all comes down to the boundaries, the the, the boundaries in the culture. I go back to what John said. If the culture isn't there to support it and you don't have the boundaries set up and people buy into the boundaries, you're going to bastardize it, you know, day two. Titles provide a career path, right? And in, 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 in sometimes we, in the bigger the company, because I've been at bigger companies too, uh, not 500 folks, uh, like 70. Um, if they don't see their future in your organization, 
the skills they have today, it can be a demotivator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's another game you have to play too a, a little bit. You know, how do you reward? You said I have a lot of superstars and I don't want to put them in the wrong bucket, right? Because it could be offensive from a title, right? I thought I was a rising star and you just put me on the cash cow. Biggest mistake I ever made was a reward where I looked at the skills and the management team collaboratively. So I'm not responsible because I did not create the following group name, strategic products (laughs) and sustaining products. Oh, ouch. Hey, I I rolled it out. It was there for six weeks. I did my job, love my paycheck. Right. But (laughs) what, what we did in that is we looked at, you know, the mature sustaining products. We looked for more finance and operational skills, uh, you know, in the, the strategics group. And they, by the way, they had a whole different set of, you know, one group had swim lanes, decision diamonds. And the other one is like, let me teach you bumper bowling, right? Yeah. We're going to make sure well, you strategic people don't get in the gutter. It's a product like, go, place. It's a product place approach. Yeah. It's a product lifecycle management approach. Just the titling of them was not the best. I'm yeah, going to use this as a loser. Yeah, I'm going to use this. It sounded good. It looked really cool on the whiteboard and on the slides. <laughs> and then you roll it out and it's just one of those done. Then you, get but, to Rob, then you get to Rob's company and realize that if you, if you don't have eight direct reports, you can't get an office at their hotel office in New York City. So <laughs> let's get to the next, uh, the poll. I have four contractors. <laughs> <laughs> so our poll today this week and i i mixed this up i you know steve and i wanted to have some fun every time i build a poll it gives me options for multiple choice hot cold and one other one i don't remember what it was and so we decided to try hot cold this week and it makes such a better graphic <laughs> uh you know the question we asked was how comfortable do you feel that your roles and responsibilities are clearly defined Rob, I have to hope if you voted, you're one of those ones at the top. On I did vote and I was all the way to the right. Okay, because all the time you've spent, you would hope that you would say that. Uh, obviously, I, I came in and I used my experience, you know, aggregate experience over the past 10 or so years when I've been a head of product working at a C- with a CEO who doesn't want to give up product management and a lot of stepping on toes. But it, we got a lot, it, it seems we got a double bell curve. Uh, either people, you know, the, a few people feel really good. A lot of people feel pretty cold about them. Uh, Jason, a- after commenting on the graphs, said his vote was geared towards pr- his product organization as a whole, not necessarily his own. Uh, but the question remains if they're right roles and responsibilities for the positions. Uh, I believe he was that one lump in the middle uh, <laughs> there. Uh, you know, John, talk to me. You're in the middle of building a product organization. Uh, how, did you answer this? Um, you know, for, I know there is homework. I just realized today the day homework has to be, you know, give me three or four more. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm in a small company right now. I think the count is 14 people. You oh. know, we did, we did, uh, yeah, total in the company. Uh, there's no product team before uh, I showed up. And, you know, far too small to have titles mean anything far too small uh, to have a whole bunch of process. Uh, But we did sit down and I stole this exercise from a a guy I worked for, Jeff Schrader, and it's a P&G method kind of for a team. You sit down with your team and you say, what are the top 10 things we need to do as a business, as a group? Uh, When I did it, I did it as a business because the founder's there and he's going to want to dabble in something. Uh, So we sat down with the executive team. We all wrote down our top 10 things the business had to do. And that was within the first six weeks of me joining. And uh, sure enough, you know, sales had some more around demand gen, development had some autom- you know, quality and automation stuff that they said they had to do. But, you know, there were some key themes and, and overlaps. But once we got kind of the definitive list and, uh, we, you know, there are more themes of ownership than activities, people just raised their hand. Which one do you want? Uh, sales wanted like demand gen, right? I mean, I'm not, you know, just don't spam people, right? I mean, what, what was valuable to me was just 
figuring out who I should go to rather than what I owned, right? And so my version in my head of product management is as much telling stories and taking money as it is listening to the market and putting the right product on the shelf. And so it was somewhat disappointing to me from an ego perspective, but from a small company, that process, you know, there's only so many hands. Anita, did you have any questions like this or did this type of concept come in uh, in your in your session with PMI? Yeah, I did um, a couple more polls and one of them was, um, you know, I had them do some, write down some things about their particular situation. And I asked, you know, now that you have thought about those activities, what uh, are you doing other people's work, right? We talk about this a lot. And most of, most of them, of course, said yes. And there were a, a lot of unsure. One of the answer options was unsure. And I said, I'm not surprised that many of you are unsure because if you don't know the roles and responsibilities and who owns what, then you don't know if you're doing somebody else's or if it's yours or, right? So if you don't have that foundation, you don't even know if you're doing other people's work, right? And my vote was actually that one in the middle there. <laughs> okay. That was you, not Jason. Jason was yeah. at the top with Rob then. Yeah. And and I, the reason I chose that is because I'm working with different organizations and partners right now. So I, I, I picked one and, and that was representative of the most common, you know, a recent uh, consultant engagement. I went in and th this actually caused some issues and we were unable upfront to kind of identify what a particular person's role was in this initiative. And then we got to the kickoff meeting and this person straight out said, well, I don't really know why I'm here and what's my role and what basically what do I get out of this right so it was very uncomfortable and going in as an, a third party you know trying to manage that I was glad that you know it was finally put on the table and we were actually talking about it and we were able to work through that but it makes for delays it makes for uncomfortable you know political situations and then you're not focusing on the work to be done right so it was um yeah, it's if you're not sure, but I don't even know what my role here is. That's that's a terrible way to go to work in the morning, right? <laughs> I thought you meant on this call, and I'm like, your role is to bring amazing insight because you do. We we value you. I should do a better job of roles and responsibilities on this call. I apologize, <laughs> Steve. In your experience, I mean, I'm looking at this here, and, and I'd have to go dig into the answers. It seems like more than fifty percent of the people are blue. As you've worked with product organizations, would you say this is systematic or systemic, systemic, that this is like, this is one of the major issues companies have, uh, especially product organizations is clearly clear definition of roles and responsibilities. Well, certainly from my chair, the answer is yes. I mean, uh, I'm frequently asked uh, to come in and work with a team on, you know, building their playbook, you know, how do we mechanically do the work of product management? And from the very beginning, it's like, wait, product managers aren't doing product management. You know, they're, they're so busy doing product other things, you know, uh, sales engineering, project management, development assignments uh, that they don't even have. First of all, they don't know they should be doing the product strategy stuff or the product, man what I consider to be product management stuff. They're, they don't know they should be doing it and they're too busy doing other people's work anyway. Um, so I think it's, it's yeah, I, I put it way on the left. And I, I did a session recently. There were 12 people in the room. Uh, they all had the same title and not one of them was doing the same thing. In I the mean, same one, company. In the same company, in the same department. Wow. Uh, and, you know, this, this kind of led me to... I think the importance I feel now of the need for product ops, uh, for a standards body within a large organization that defines those titles and defines those processes and defines those playbooks, because it's like we bring somebody on board and we say, go do product management stuff. Uh, and just last week, I was working with a team to define, they wanted to define a product marketing manager. And so I gave them, boom, here's a product marketing manager job description. And they edited it all over the place. And like 
additional stuff they put in there, including, you know, assigning tasks to developers, um, supporting salespeople on sales calls 20% of their time, you know, and I started, it, it was just this laundry list of, we need you to help everybody. Uh, and, you know, if you'll forgive me, I, I, I here, here's, here's the reality. I, the green box is what product managers should be doing. And the red box is what other departments think product managers should be doing. And there's very little overlap between the two. And most product managers are in the yellow circle there, what product managers are doing, which is a little bit of what they should be doing and a whole lot of what other departments think they should be doing. And it's, it's uh, industry-wide. Steve is upping his game, bringing graphics to help his, his case. Uh, yeah. I mean, Let me wow. Just some, can I just throw something out, Steve? <clears throat> you know, things go along until they don't, right? So, you know, and, and that has been my philosophy on all of this always. Do I need a world-class, best-in-class product management organization until I need a world-class, best-in-class? So until this disruption competitive the market changes. If, if, you know, if all boats rise in a rising tide, I might not need to change. And so that roles and responsibility thing might work for me until there's a reason that it doesn't work for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this, you know, for us, it, we needed it because the market, even though the market stock market growth is off the charts, we needed it because there are, you know, fintech is this really dynamic little place that all these little startups want to come and play and disrupt your, 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 your franchise. Um, but I, I've been in other companies like Pitney Bowes where we didn't, we were the leader, you know, we had, you know, 80 plus percent of the market. Mail was, you know, mail was not going away. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says, it's not going away. And so, you know, we didn't need to change. And so our product management organization you didn't need to create the processes and the tools and all that in order to be successful in product management because you didn't have the, 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 that stress from the external environment forcing mm. you to change. So things go along until they don't. And then you have to look. So it's proactive versus reactive. It's mm -hmm. a public company versus a private company. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, it's what's inside that company. I see. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with that a little. Uh, you know, I, I believe that a good, everybody needs a good product manager. My, my wife spent time in major account sales and in the wireless industry in the nineties, when it was blowing up, you didn't have to be a good salesperson to hit your numbers and blow them out because there was so much, once that hockey stick starts going, there's so much demand. You just have to show up and take an order. And all of a sudden you see these people who hit one of those, the next one is starting. Somebody goes, Ooh, you hit, you, you blew your numbers out here, bring us here. And you get salespeople who aren't good salespeople who can, the rising tide rises them. I think in product management, you need, you know, part of our job is that market sensing and understanding what's going on and, and being able to, I don't want to just rise with the tide. I want to rise faster than the tide, right? But as long as you're hitting your goals, your stretch goals, right? I, it's, it's, it's when I, you I would, are, I would argue, I would argue that you're falling short of market expectations because you're a public company or you're falling short of internal expectations, you know, via you can't hit your stretch goals. I've been in, I've been in, and have consulted with lots of companies that, and again, it, it's okay to differ here, but um, I'm, I'm just telling, you know, what I've seen is it, it's a, it, it is until it isn't kind of yeah. mentality across the, across it. Now things have changed. We want to be more agile. We were waterfall before. So that's a change. When there's a trigger to change, then, and actually look for this change. And then they, then they realize they have a broken system. Yeah. I, I wanted to get one other uh, comment that was made on the polling before we move forward. Drew Bartlett, who is a product man director of product management out in Colorado, the product role tends to require a polymath who is willing to fill any gaps that might be necessary and gaps happen often. And we've talked about this in the roles they play, Steve's chart, for, for example. I want to, there's a, Professor at Columbia's business school, Hitendra Wadwa, who talks about, has a class on personal leadership. And he had a great chart where he talked, and I, I can't pull it up like Steve because I don't know where it is on my computer and I've already got my slides <laughs> up. Uh, but he says, you know, think about the dichotomy. You know, the, 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 we, we ask leaders to do, be adaptive, but be tenacious, be pragmatic, but be visionary, be a risk taker, but a risk manager, right? 
think about what we, you know, in roles and responsibilities, there's these gaps, but it's also in what we're asking of product leaders, there are gaps, right? If you something, one, I, I wrote a blog, you know, product management is risk management, but you need to take risks to, to, to grow, right? And succeed. So I, I think it's more than just the job responsibilities. It's also the, you know, the characteristics of people we're looking at where there's sort of a, a, a needs to be better defined of uh, how we balance those things. It just was an interesting, I, I saw the polymath and made me think of it. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think we are a certain type of person, the product manager, right? And sometimes we bring it on ourselves. If there are gaps, we will close those gaps, right? We're not just going to sit back and watch something bad happen. If it's not our job to do it, not our responsibility, we're still going to jump in and do it, right? Yeah, yeah but organizational drip pan shouldn't be our job, right? I mean, right. it should right. be, you know, I mean, we got to figure but, out how to... Exactly. It's 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 about self-care too, right? I just had this exercise with my family last night. It's like, mom is doing everything, right? Again, I'm the product manager, so I'm doing everything. I see the gaps and I'm you know, I'm just taking care of it. So the ship doesn't sink, right? That's not sustainable. So last night we had a little roles and responsibilities activity as a family. Okay. And I wrote it out. Here are our new rules. You know, things change. People grow older. Teenagers have, you know, want their independence. Let's have a conversation. (laughs) Next week it's Kanban boards. Welcome to Anita's house. Well, Steve would be very happy with Kanban boards. And Anita, I may have to have a conversation you offline because with a senior in high school and a junior in high school and uh, everything going on, it's, you know. Well, they loved it. The kids loved it. (laughs) We we, we have different kids. Uh, (laughs) No question about that. All right. But isn't that my point? It is sustainable until it isn't. <laughs> right? Right. Well, no, I mean, okay. And, 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 so you're I'll, willing I'll to grant be, you you're this. willing to be a doormat until in the you're not willing to be that anymore. In the household, I, sometimes I'm willing to give in a little more. Just, Fire department, uh, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Let's go to our first question today. Uh, what is the biggest challenge when roles and responsibilities are not clearly defined and aligned. We talked about how 50% or more of these, these companies seem, and I think the number's big, bigger than that, because if Steve is seeing this in most of the companies that come to him, it's that whole, you know, what's the first step is you have to acknowledge you have a problem. My guess is there's a whole bunch of que- people who aren't acknowledging they have a problem and, and are misaligned. But what's the biggest challenge when roles and responsibilities are not clearly defined or aligned? And I'm, I'm going to pitch this one back to you, Anita, just because you, you were our expert at, from PMI today. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, you know, one of the messages I shared is that, you know, the strategy side fails, right? And you might, in, in this, one of the challenges might be that you don't even know what your strategy is to begin with, or you don't even have one, right? But I think you are not meeting your goals. You're not achieving, you know, from a business perspective. You're not executing on your strategy or you're not solving the problems you think you should be solving. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Things aren't happening the way you expect or plan them to happen. Things are failing, right? So that's one of the biggest challenges. And then, you know, on the on the softer side, the human side, um, you know, your, your culture to maintain great morale and hire great people and retain great people and to be a happy place to work, right? I, I think that's a challenge if you're not defining those roles and responsibilities. That there's too much failure, which makes everybody unhappy and unmotivated. Steve, you're nodding your head. You like that answer? Of course. Uh, you do. Yeah, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I've got a uh, one of my presentations has a quote I pulled from uh, a poor guy on Reddit, and I'll tell you, you go into the product management team on Reddit, there is no one there who has a clue about what product management is. Uh, but the product management board. I'm sorry. Yeah. The board or the actual team? No, I don't mean the Reddit company. I mean the product management uh, uh, subred. Anyway, this guy wrote, I have no guidance on how to do my job. I'm terrified I'll be fired because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Now that's 
that's scathing on so many levels. It's like, what kind of a suck, what kind of a terrible manager do you have that is in onboarded you by saying, Hey, there's a lot of good templates on the shared point drive, you know, um, do whatever it takes to make the product a success. And yet some of the, some people have that, but my, my concern of the biggest challenge is that leadership doesn't know what success looks like in product management and they do with everything else. So particularly when the, when the VP of that group is not a product management person, when product management reports to development or marketing, for instance, when times get tough for whatever reason, the president goes around the room and says, uh, who don't you need? Who's in the boat, right? We're sinking. Who, who are we going to put in the lifeboat? And the VP of sales says, well, I can't lose my salespeople. And the VP of marketing says, well, I've got to have my campaigns people. And the VP of development says, well, I got to have my developers. And then, and then the, the president says, well, do you want to lose all those product managers? And everybody goes, yeah, I'm good with that. I don't know what the hell they do. And I've encountered at least a dozen companies that have gone through that scenario. They have deleted their product management department. And then six months later have figured out what all those product managers did. And one company even went back and said, hey, product manager, I know we kind of fired you. Um, we now know what you do. Would you come back? <laughs> and the product manager was like, A, no, I would never come back. And B, do you think I'm still unemployed after six months with the skill set that I have that you now appreciate? Give me a 50% raise. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest challenge when, when roles and responsibility are not clear is when the leadership doesn't know what to expect from a product organization, then there's no champion for that organization. And, and, it's, and, and not to limit it to product management, it's the same across the board. If we don't, some of the teams I work with don't understand the role of marketing either. So they're the ones who say, well, you know, we need to keep the webmaster, but let's lose the rest of the marketing department because, you know, our sales guys are really our marketing. And you're like, yeah, that is not true. I think Steve, we, Steve and I were talking earlier this week about, you know, needing to do a, a paper on the business role of product management. And I think it's something that a lot of senior executives, part of it is getting the senior executives on board in the work that Steve's doing with some private equity companies. Uh, that's a lot of it. Is that you, we're, we're happy when the private equity firm understands the importance of the business role of product management, but still, Steve's still dealing with portfolio companies who don't get it yet. And, you know, I think it's an important thing to know. I, John, I, I, I'm going to come back to you last, Robert, because I want to ask a question specific to what you guys have done. But John, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I, I think there's, you know, certainly Anita hit on something around retention, right? I mean, yeah, it's not it's not the work. It's the value as an individual I get from that work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a little bit of Robert's title discussion and the repeated theme around culture. And maybe a couple of weeks ago when we said, I don't know what it is, right? But I know one thing: a product manager, a product marketer that doesn't um, have trust, right? Uh, trust by commonly understanding how we interact with sales. Well, one that doesn't have credibility around how they work with the engineers to build trust, right? Yeah, you know, the, the symptoms are often these points of friction in individuals. The metric might be how many folks did we leave or how long did they stay or how long do we jettison them? A little bit of Steve's story, right? Yeah. I didn't give you a system or a process of this Reddit person, right? best of luck, figure yeah. it out. And, you know, so the biggest challenge I think is, is, you know, certainly end game can't hit the goals, but the, to find it quick is how do you interface and work with other teams? Are there points of friction? Mm -hmm. Because those points of friction are either mis except misaligned ex expectations mm -hmm. or a belief that it's my job, not your job. Right. And uh, I never want to be a personal collateral fulfillment engine for a salesperson. Yeah. Right. That's there's what's the value add and network rounding routing switch for random organizational tasks. Nothing. Yeah. But that's what they look for sometimes. 
Yeah, exactly. So Rob, what I want to get to here, you guys, you're, you're at a company that's made a big investment in clearly defining the roles and responsibilities. Do you know what was, you know, when it started, what was the core challenge that the problem job to be done? What, what motivated, the, you know, you're, it's from the CEO level, correct? Yeah. I, I, it's, um, it was truly um, a changing marketplace. Okay. So, you know, the, the organization had, we had, you know, at the time when I first started two years ago and did the original research, we had six or 700 people in product. Um, it's been called down to about 500 or 450 something now. Um, and so they didn't have <clears throat> that. It was really that, that, it was really what I said. It was good until it wasn't. And what wasn't good was that there was disruption coming in and we couldn't grow. If you look at what we've done, if you look at the trajectory of Broadridge in the last two years, our stock is through the roof, the company is healthy. Um, now part of it is the pandemic and stock market growth, but it's really because we've, I think it's because the CEO made an enormous investment. They created an enterprise product management team and made an enormous investment in, the, in, in product. I will say this though, and, and I, I really like the way Anita put, framed everything here and John added some really good color to it. For me, that question is, is 100% about trade-off. If you don't have defined roles and responsibilities, you're doing only today's stuff and you're trading off the future because you, you're not spending time on the future. You're just spending yeah. time on taking tickets and, and doing whatever the market wants. And I think that was the other thing. We were a custom shop. I mean, just think about it. It's a, a multi-billion dollar company and we're a custom shop reacting to whatever customers want us to build. Mm -hmm. now, the time is old, a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, but now I can look at, um, and you know, and I've used Steve's operation. I've recasted myself away from being a product manager to being a product operations person. And I live in this world of data now. And I can tell you, I can start to see the, the trends where we're modernizing platforms. We're spending money not on what a customer is paying for, but actually what's on a roadmap, like, like a like God forbid, we should actually build these things and use them. Yeah, and I think that's what the that's what this work over the last two years has really enabled us to do is to work on things that are important and and see a future versus just working on today's pieces of it. So, so let me paraphrase to put it in the context of this question of what was the challenge. The challenge was if we don't clearly define these, we're not going to be able to adapt to the changes in the market. The, the agility and, and that type of stuff, right? I guess I could have said that in a few seconds, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I'm trying to keep it with along the challenges. It's like, so it was great that they noticed it and they did it, but- But I, but I, did, I had hand movement. <laughs> right. Good gesticulations worth 12,000 words. Now, this may be a loaded question. Uh, we had it last week in the similar round for, for uh, roadmap. You know, what is more valuable, the clearly defined roles and responsibilities or the process to get to those clear def definitions, right? I've done plenty of racy, you know, ARCI. I had somebody who switched it and called it an ARCI because they wanted accountable to be that one throat to choke where responsible could be more than one person. But whatever you do with it, the debates and the discussions among a leadership team as you go through that process is unbelievably valuable because there's a lot of stuff people don't realize. A, things that... They don't realize people do activities, outcomes you're looking for. And then there's always those turf wars. Well, I was working with a big education company and publisher who was putting two in the box. Anybody know two in the box, the Bain, uh, agile, you know, technical product manager, business product manager. Boy, was that a tough place to start helping them draw the lines for the two in the box. Cause you know, two is not one, right? <laughs> And if you don't have one, then nobody's accountable. Uh, but I, I think those conversations and, and especially the ability to push back, right? Everybody can't say this is the most important, right? Everything is not the most important. There's got to be some gradation to it. And to me, while I think there's a ton of value in the clearly defined roles and responsibility, I, the value you get from that process, I think, builds more uh, understanding and even empathy across the organization because there's a lot of stuff people don't realize. Steve, I want to pivot to you on this one because you've done a lot of these. Uh, and this is me, you know, sort of paraphrasing mm -hmm. your road mapping is more important than the roadmap itself. Uh, yeah. 
Um, so definitely in my case, it's the process to get the, to those clear definitions. And, and the, many of the things that you just said, um, oh, I don't know, I didn't know we needed to do that. I thought development was doing that. I thought sales was doing that. Uh, you know, my favorite thing to talk about is win-loss analysis because um, almost everyone is doing it wrong, um, which is why you go to an outsourcing firm. But sales <laughs> wants to own it, but they don't want to do it because that would be not revenue producing. And they don't want anybody else to do it because they don't want it to be a witch hunt. And some consultants say, well, yeah, product managers should be doing win-loss analysis. And having done this myself for quite a while, I've concluded that it's product marketing who should be doing win-loss analysis. Because what you're gonna learn about win-loss comes from, uh, has more to do with the product that you've built today Yep. Uh, and more about sales enablement. But anyway, my point is that discussion of getting the leadership or whoever is doing the racy work or the assignment work to, to go through that path of understanding why I choose product marketing or product management or why I, in another scenario, we were talking about what is your best source of market problems? And, you know, almost everyone in the room said salespeople. And, you know, I burst into tears and, you know, had to go out of the room. You didn't explode? Uh, well, no, what it really did is I exploded. It. And I, I, <laughs> I said something I couldn't say on in this forum, but I was, I was flabbergasted that, that uh, uh, they felt that sales was the best source of market insights because the research is sales is one of the worst sources of market insight. The only thing lower than sales input is the portal on your internal website for people to submit ideas, which are 100% stupid. Um, well, no, 98% stupid. So you have to go through all of the 98 to get to the two. But anyway, it's the whole process. And some of them are easy. You know, you go through who owns user personas? Boom, this person owns it. Great, we're done. But it's these things on the line or the things that are political or the things that uh, encroach on somebody else's skill set that, that, that really gets interesting and giving them tools to think through it. So it's not a one and done. It's a constant uh, it, it, it's a constant battle to make sure everybody's doing their job or, or the, and, and, and the jobs that need doing are being done. We're quickly hitting the top of the hour. I'm going to give Rob one shot on this question before we go to the lightning round. I'd love through, from what you've gone through. Yeah. I'll just say, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't think, I think the journey here is more important than the outcome going through the journey of, of roles and responsibilities and, and communicating with the group is you just can't, if you, you can throw jobs out there, but it, it, it doesn't work unless you go through the journey. Awesome. So we're now moving to our lightning round. And I'm going to start with John Gattrell on this question. What is the one word or phrase that captures the importance of clearly defined roles and responsibilities to a product team? Agreement. Agreement? Agreement. Yeah, Agreement. we just agree, whatever it is. Awesome. Anita? Energizing. Agreement, energizing. Do you agree with agreement? Absolutely. Yes, yes and. Um, yeah, yes right. And. Agreement <laughs> and energizing. Rob. Accountability. Agreement, energizing, accountability. Steve. Well, I agree with everyone so far. <laughs> and since they chose one word, I'll choose a phrase. Why don't we all do our own damn jobs for a week and see how it works out? And if it doesn't, we can always go back to the dysfunction we have before. That was a long phrase. Yeah, and I see, I'm going to go with alignment, agreement, energizing. Uh, what was yours, Rob? Accountability. Accountability, alignment. I was I, in my head. I'm going, what is an A for energizing? Hard uh, <laughs> for us. gave us like a, a thesis. I was looking for an acronym, but there wasn't. It's all vowels. And I don't, you know, I can't. It's think the quadruple it. A or A. I don't know. It's, we're going to sound like a society. A triple AE. <laughs> right. Well, guys, as always, this is, you know, one of my best favorite times of the week. I thank you guys for your insight, your input, the conversation. Uh, 
as we know, and as Jason's not here to celebrate on Monday, the question goes in and he knows what to think about for the week. On <laughs> Wednesday, we get the poll. And on Friday, we get together with some of our trusted peers to talk about a topics we are passionate about. And I love it every time. Anita, John, Rob, Steve, thank you guys so much for your time. Have a great weekend and we'll see you uh, hopefully next week. In the great week. conversation. Fair enough. Right. Be Bye. Good. Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.